Hey everyone, welcome to another DevOps Unbound. If this is your first time catching a DevOps Unbound, welcome. DevOps Unbound is a bi-weekly uh, video series where we talk about relevant topics in DevOps. In addition to the bi-weekly show, we do, it's every four to six weeks, a live roundtable show where we invite the audience to participate and drive the discussion with online uh, questions and comments and so forth. So we open it up to a live audience. Unfortunately, this show is not one of our live roundtables. It is pre-recorded, but we have a, a great uh, panel and I think you're going to enjoy it. I'm going to get into today's topic in a second. But before we do, let me introduce you to today's panel. First of all, I want to introduce a business partner of mine and my friend, uh, Jane Grohl. Jane, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience, if you don't mind? Thanks, Alan. Hi, everyone. I'm Jane Grohl. I'm CEO of the DevOps Institute. We're a, a global member association and a certification body around topics related to uh, DevOps. I'm really, really excited to be here, and I hope everyone listening uh, joins us at DevOps Institute and becomes a member. Fantastic. Welcome, Jane. Joining Jane, I'm happy to have Paul Bruce. Hey, Paul, welcome. And if you wouldn't mind, you know, introducing yourself. Yeah. Hey, Alan. Um, good to be back. Uh, my name is Paul. Uh, in in my full-time job, I work with Tricenis uh, in a number of different areas. Um, I'm historically a performance and reliability nerd. Uh, in my off time, I organize a number of events, help to co-organize volunteer Things like DevOps East Boston uh, just did Ollie Fest this year about observability. We had that conversation, I think, with Kristen Yen a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. And um, and generally, I'm a people advocate. I had to pull DevOps out of my LinkedIn title because there were too many recruiters that I don't need because <laughs> I've got a pretty good job. But also um, because people advocate really describes what I, I care the most about, right? People are the, some of the hardest uh, part of the DevOps people process and technology really solve for. So I really, um, I really focus my time on that. It's great to have you back on too, Paul. Good stuff. Next, we have a first time, uh, first time guest on DevOps Unbound today, a new member of the band, Sarah Baker. Sarah, welcome to DevOps Unbound, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself. Thank you. Wonderful. Welcome. <clears throat> my name is Sarah Baker. Um, my pronouns are he, she and her. Uh, I've been working in operations my entire career, and I've moved into DevOps as something I always, I needed a name for it. I always wanted the people part of ops and technology, and DevOps was that. And I've been doing that as soon as I learned the term. And I've been, I then moved and started working with Paul Bruce in the IEEE uh, work group 2675, who's trying to create a standard for uh, DevOps. Fantastic. I work for uh, today. I work for uh, as the manager of BizTech in Airbnb. Thank you, and can, thanks for joining us. And that sounds like a great, great place for you to do this. And then the last member of our panel today is my co-host and another business partner, a longtime friend as well, Mitch Ashley. Mitch, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself. You bet. Always uh, good to have a good panel on with you, Alan. Mitch Ashley, I'm CEO of Accelerated Strategies, analyst firm that's focused on DevOps, also on cloud native cybersecurity and digital transformation. 
know, I come to DevOps both as a practitioner and and uh, a vendor leveraging it. So uh, very, very interested in hearing the perspective of folks on our topic today. So excited. thanks for joining us, everybody, too. And by the way, our, our, our uh, DevOps Unbound is sponsored by Tricentas. I think you may have mentioned that, right, Alan? No, I think I did admit, but thanks for picking it up. Um, I was trying to give you credit where credit yeah, means. No, I, I, I don't want to take credit when I messed up. It, yes. DevOps Unbound is sponsored by Tricentis, and many thanks to them for, for their sponsorship. It, it makes all of this happen. Um, so let's, let's turn to the topic at hand today, guys. You know, when I first started DevOps.com eight years ago, I met Jane maybe a year, within a year of that, or a year and a half of that. One of the interesting, interesting things about DevOps is there was no manifesto. There was no hard definition of this, what is DevOps and what is not DevOps, you know, contrary. And, and ever since then, it's been a double-edged sword. In some ways, it's helped DevOps grow. It's helped DevOps stay current over the last eight to 10 years as, as the world has changed. DevOps has changed along with it. On the other hand, though, it, it, we're still dealing with this. So what is DevOps, right? What exactly is DevOps? And what exactly is not DevOps, which is sometimes harder than what is DevOps? And, you know, as we sit here now, August 2021, well, there really still is not a quote-unquote standard for DevOps. There is no standard DevOps. It, it is what you want it to be, right? The, as I think Andrew Clay Schaefer said, the DevOps you get is the DevOps you deserve, right? And um, but have we have we have we outgrown that stage? You know, that seems like a a terrible two stage of DevOps to some. To others, it's what kept it cool. Has DevOps matured? Do we need standardization? Will it be the something that kills the goose that lays the golden eggs? We're going to discuss that today, and I'm interested in all of your views. Jane, as the CEO of DevOps Institute, and how many people have taken DevOps Institute or certified DevOps classes and certifications with DevOps Institute? It's got to be... About twenty five, yeah, about twenty five thousand um, so far. So it's a pretty large community. Mm -hmm. uh, but and and if you don't mind, I I I want to kind of just lay the stage because I'm really interested in the standardization um, initiative. So I, you know, I had a privilege of seeing uh, going to DevOps days in 2012 in California. So if you can imagine, it was in an old dusty data warehouse, right? And it was at the very, very early stages. And, and so one of the reasons DevOps Institute emerged was because there was a lot of really cool things here, culturally, uh, from an automation perspective, right? Doing things faster, collaboration. And so we stood up DevOps Institute because we wanted to make sure the humans were represented. And I love that, that Paul and Sarah in particular both represented people. The problem with that is at that point, they, it was very, very open. It was very, you know, kind of organic. You know, it was a really group of passionate people that were trying to just change the way IT operates, right, from a people process and technology perspective. What happened after that, though, is that there's so much noise about DevOps that if I were an enterprise CIO right now, my head would explode, right? Now, is there one right way to do DevOps? No, 
Is it only going to get you there with automation? No. Um, you know, is there a very, very strong human element? Absolutely. So it's a double-edged sword, Alan, as you said, is that we want to be able to kind of scale down, right? Some of the common language, some of the common definitions. I always say I'm married to a CPA. They have generally accepted accounting principles. Maybe someday we have generally accepted IT principles. Um, but but how do we distill the noise, right? And everyone having a different interpretation of how to do DevOps and what it is compared to let's get past the what is it? We've spent, what, 10 years trying to figure out what it is to how do we do this, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it isn't just one roadway that takes you there. So I think it's a challenge. I mean, we introduce foundational certifications around DevSecOps and SRE and DevOps Foundation and DevOps Engineering really to create kind of a common vocabulary more than the here's the single way to introduce, you know, CICD. So I don't know if that helps kind of set the stage, but I, I think it's a really big challenge right now that if we standardize it, we run into the risk of like what happened with ITIL where it couldn't keep pace right? And became religious. I come from the ITIL space, right? So it's like open, you know, chapter one, verse three, and, you know, sing a hymn before you introduce change management to how do we then on the other end of the spectrum, it's so open and so undefined that it, it's really complicated for legacy, I call them heritage organizations to be able to move from, you know, this step to this step. Mm -hmm. The church of ITIL. Paul, what's your feeling on that? Uh, well, everybody is on a journey, right? Your personal journey, your professional career, whatever. Um, maybe you go do a walkabout on a particular topic to learn more about that. And so uh, we started this venture. Uh, there was an early round of who wants to be involved in something like this in 2016. Um, I answered a call from Bob Aiello, um, and uh, Lynn Carter, who were kind of forming, you know, this idea of, you know, there's a bunch of people who really care deeply, who have practic practitioner practical experience in the field. Um, and the, the, the early part of this process was just learning, kind of level setting on what we have done, right? Um, Jean mentioned that, you know, there's, uh, it's, it's hard maybe to uh, have accepted IT standards, um, even though there are standards, right? that not every organization uh, applies the same, the same way. I don't think that invalidates some of the general principles that we know to be true, which is, you know, you ship broken software, you hurt people, you hurt yourself, right? But those are, those are high level. How do we break this apart and start to make sense of, you know, the world, as you said, the heritage, Jane, you said the heritage organizations what is so wrong? What's going on that we have these kind of security problems, these performance problems, this inability to compete, uh, to be competitive in terms of acceleration and stuff. And so um, I think the, the purpose of a standard is not necessarily to force people to do something a certain way. I think it's simply just kind of like uh, if you've ever had the Christmas ornaments or just ornaments box that has uh, the insert that allows for things to be put in careful places and also work together as a unit, right? To provide a normative, not a, not a prescriptive standard, but a normative standard to say, look, it, the, these processes that you already know, well, you know, you already followed these from let's say 12207, right? Um, these processes around supply acquisition, knowledge management, human resources, 
right? Human resourcing in DevOps is a big problem, at least in the Boston area. Try to hire an SRE. There's only about 15 to 20,000 in the United States, legitimately. There's a reason for that demand. So how do we think about the processes we already know and start to say, how are these things different? Because there are, there are some accepted principles and practices around, around DevOps. Now, the practices are not things that you would ever want to dictate in a standard. This is not the same granularity level as some other standards that dictate how to encode time formats. That's very important at that level. But the level that we were working on was how to level set across the things that, uh, especially organizations in high compliance and high risk industries, right? Risk averse industries. How do they take the practices and processes that you know from a process standard and start to go, I understand how to plug now um, what, what the, the, the DevOps principles are into the standard to encourage both of those practices in a more uh, predictable manner. So when we did all this work, it's taken years right, of, of a lot of uh, learning, uh, collaboration between a whole host of people. I don't have even time to list out, um, but a lot of people from a lot of various different aspects of software have a lot of experience in those aspects. You know, it took synthesis and refactoring, and I was up nights and weekends just rewriting some of the statements, you know, and each of these, it's aligned to one, two, two, a seven. So there's multiple processes, process declarations like quality management, quality assurance, verification, validation, like I said, uh, you know, these project enabling processes, and then these technical uh, processes. And each of those process sections have outcomes, activities, and tasks, things that are likely to occur in this area, right? Uh, as well as regardless of how you do this, right? Not dictating what the DevOps looks like, it's outcomes of these things that are auditable, that, that not compliance, but conformance, that you can conform at various levels to these outcomes to say, if it's important to like get this right, when you hit the pinata, what comes out should be candy, not garbage, right? Mm. So um, I'll pause there because I want to I wanna give Sarah a chance to kind of provide perspective because she's also been working a lot with us <laughs> for all those years. I think okay. I counted 27 people on the final author list yeah. uh, for the IEEE. And it was many, <clears throat> many weeks of arguing reading together the ex exact language. And I, I agree very much with some parts of what Paul says. And I want to step back and, and talk a little bit about how I see, you know, what to me was the big shifts. And, and so the way we wrote the book was to kind of look at the 12207 and say, how does DevOps change it? How, how has it changed the game? What are the perspectives that you need to have in mind in order to get the outcomes that, that Paul's talking about there. Um, and, and so when we were writing it, we we're writing it to that. How is this different? And to what extent do you wanna consider these areas? It's a framework of thinking at, at its largest level. It's a framework of, for me, the value chain of delivery of software. And it's not, it, and it uses many of the concepts that come out of learnings of industrial engineering way back in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, but it never really come into a lot of the thinking of software because software is different. And the more I, find, I, I was working and kind of digging into what are the concepts underneath DevOps, I, I came quite aligned with a lot of industrial engineering concepts about 
how things flow and how things move back and what, what the peaceful aspects are in, in that. And so that actually, if you read through this standard, you'll see a lot of those flow pieces and all of the pieces that you then say, oh, it's the feedback loops. Yeah, lots of mm -hmm. collaboration. It's all there. Um, and it's just applying a lot of those learnings into software engineering to me. Um, and it was stuff I was like, oh, it's so wonderful to have this. Um, and the other thing, one of the big learnings is I think I brought uh, into the, the conversation is how, uh, and Paul backing up on this, how security for a lot of us changed slightly as we started walking our way through uh, the, the 2675 work. The terms of risk became a very interesting concept that flowed through the the document more than I would have expected. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so there's, there was some learning within the, the totality of our team as we wrote this. It, it was quite fascinating. I'm really fascinated to, to hear from both of you that have been working on this because it's not something I've been involved in. Um, I sort of have a mixed history with standards because I've worked in areas like networking and things like that where Standards are very beneficial, but really fundamental. But I've also learned standards are kind of what you're going to do, not your, how you're going to do it. Because I ran a test lab that even though it says we're going to do least cost routing in a network device this way, people implement it differently and they don't always work together. So it's, it's, it's not a nirvana, but it's also not a you know pariah either. <laughs> so what I wrestle with here is that I think some of the thinking, and Jane can speak to this, but innovation happens so quickly now. So many things are created without standards. Maybe they evolve into standards. Maybe they don't. And it doesn't bother me that there's lots of noise around DevOps because we've all seen the cycles, the hype cycles, right? If it's worthwhile, everyone, will, everyone their brother, sister, cousin, uncle will all jump on the bandwidth and call what they're doing, fill in the blank. It's AI, it's DevOps, it's whatever. That's just part of our industry. And, and it'll, it'll either fizzle, you know, value stream management. Is it a real thing? We'll see. It'll fizzle or it'll happen, right, if it's a real thing. And, and DevOps has proven itself not only is it a real thing, but other parts of the organization now see an opportunity to play, to participate, to become part of the software creation process. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's so powerful about DevOps. It's not about a technology. It's about how we create software. And if you were going to start out, you know, when Jane, when you went to that meeting in 2012, when we said, we're going to go create a standard for completely doing software differently because we have cloud and we have ability to automate and we we're going to change the software architecture, you, a, you couldn't have known how to do that. But B, the industry would have, you know, the antibodies would have crawled all over all of this and stopped it. So I think there's a lot of power in the innovative, organic nature of it. And, you know, I, I don't want DevOps to turn into idle <laughs> and because it's sort of taken on its life of its own and now it's trying to catch up and it's done some good things too. But so I, I wrestle with trying to constrain it when I think it's real power is the innovation behind what we're doing. Yeah. If so I could take a moment. I, yeah. Go ahead. I'd like to take a moment and call out something in, you know, Part of the problem with ITIL is like, it's ITIL. And, and you know, a gazillion managers said, ITIL, let's get a hammer and hit you over the head with it. Uh, and, and DevOps 
fortunately it doesn't have that problem. It has, you know, a little fuzzier in its definition, but the great thing about DevOps is it has that sort of fuzzy edges. You can't, it's, it's really hard to beat someone overhead with it. Um, You can try. I'm, I've seen it happen. You know, everybody's a DevOps engineer now, but it's, it's not necessary. And, and what people talk about is not that, but the work, you know, it's not, we're conforming with ITIL. It's like, we're doing DevOps. The doing part is the important part, not the compliance part. So, so when you say, when you hear people talk about it, they talk about it differently and that's the good thing. Uh, I use ITIL. I just don't tell anybody the word. Which is a shame. It's such a shame because, you know, I come from the ITIL space and in the early days, this was not what the intent was to be. It was very much like DevOps in terms of, you know, let's help IT grow up, right, in terms of some things. And, and you know, to, to what you're all saying, you're absolutely right. A framework, whether it's a standard, is a guideline, right? It, 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 it helps you with the journey, as Paul said. And so if I want to kind of check, 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 you know, I've worked with some of the ISO standards, right? So in the ITSM space, there was ISO 20,000, 27,000 for security, right? And it basically, like in the in the one for service management says, you should record all your changes. It doesn't say how to record it. It doesn't, it's a really great practice. You should do this. The problem sometimes with standards, and, and I'm sure you know this and it's a risk, the pure intention is pure. The ability to weaponize it, right, from the auditors and from others is is a real risk, right? Because we've seen that with other standards as well, where it becomes more about the compliance than it is about, you know, having it being a guiding light. So I think there's always a risk there. And then the other risk is, you know, think about observability, right? So observability has been trending, what, for a year, maybe two, right? Um Four. Okay. But really mainstreaming, like talking about observability as a, you know, kind of a mainstream practice, right? You know, and I will, I will share with you, you know, Mitch, to your point, when we launched DevOps Institute in 2015, we were not welcome with open arms, right? We were vilified for trying to put some boundaries around this. Now, you know, move forward seven years. And, and I, I think we've overcome a lot of those. And we have some that were detractors are really great supporters. Uh, but, but I think they were concerned that, you know, that it would become weaponized or commoditized or whatever. So I'm just going to say one last thing, because I think it's important. Commoditization of knowledge, which this is kind of in support of the standard, right? Commoditization of knowledge where we, you know, make sure it's available to everyone. Some people see that as a negative, it's not. What would, what would happen if the whole world, right? Every IT organization, every IT professional decided to take this standard and use it as a guiding light according to the needs of their organization. They weren't worried about the audit. They got trained. They shared knowledge. They, wouldn't that be amazing? But that's commoditization. So I, I, I think the risk of, of, you know, good versus evil on initiatives like this is real. But I also think that, you know, distilling it to everybody, kind of like, you know, accountants have done, right, um, is important because IT needs to grow up. Yeah. And if you look at well, the accounting standards, um, it is, they don't tell you how to do it. They tell you what to do. It, right. it, it, is, it isn't prescriptive in the how very much. So it's very much like, you know, an IEEE standard or whatever. So, yep. 
Uh, well, first off, I forgot to mention when we first started, I speak as an individual contributor. If it isn't abundantly clear, <laughs> uh, I don't speak for the IEEE and I don't speak for the other uh, people who have spent years contributing to this meaningfully. Um, so when I say when I say certification processes inherit all the exact same things you just mentioned as problems, weaponizing, uh, actually low ROI, maybe in some cases, we see these these uh, deficiencies and the, these these outcomes that aren't so great. And if you're somebody who's just going to sit back and say, I'm not willing to hold myself accountable to stand up and say, what does this thing actually mean like a real engineer should, you know, to start to break apart the problem and see what are the components? What, how, how does this thing work? And how, how, how do I want it to work? How, how does it work best for the people around me as well? If you're not willing to do that, then I would call you the naysayer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not anyone particular, but that would be a naysaying, like let's avoid accountability. Let's avoid doing what we know is, needs to be improved. Like continuous improvement is a huge element that is all throughout the entire standard. Um, it's one of the things that's identified as some of the core principles in a, a, an ISO study that was done before we started in on the standard to see what are the common themes of what people, when they're really feeling like there is this DevOps mindset, this culture, uh, th these practices, what do they mean by it? And a number of things came out. One was um, a high degree of automation, right? Okay, well, that's very tactical. Uh, even no matter how you do it, right? High degree of automation, duh, right? How about effective communication and collaboration? How about shifting things and continuous everything? The notion of that these things are not this one time and then three years later you get to come back. No, no, no. If it's a good idea now, maybe don't bite off a three-year apple. Maybe take a bite, but know that you're, you started in, there's a continuous improvement process. Um, I can say, we, we, we mentioned earlier about, you know, the, 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 a holy war that might exist when you start getting into what is DevOps and what is not DevOps. Like I started, like the, the best way I can describe to people, because I, like I say, half of my day is spent with, you know, uh, on and off of Slack with people who are actually doing, working this out in a highly statistical dis large distribution across the country, you know, and, and sometimes outside the U.S. too, uh, just time zones apply. Um, but I can say for sure, after seeing the complete garbage dumpster fire that where nobody's willing to stand up and say, hey, aren't these things common and standard. And oh, by the way, not vendors that have something to push, right? I mean, that's, that's, I think, Jane, where you were talking about, you know, maybe observability is now like a thing. You know, the only reason why it's a thing for the most part is because it's in our face now because all the vendors are hashtagging the crap out of it. Same thing happened with DevOps five, six years ago. Everybody had to get out of bandwagon. I remember CEOs way back then going, what is this DevOps thing? Oh man, you know, just talk to some of your engineers. And what I can say, right, I, I have developed at least an internal personal perspective on what is not DevOps. So if I can borrow the last 30 seconds of, of the mic for a second, here are some things I wrote as notes as I'm going back over the standard, rereading it, going what I violently agree with from both others and myself. We didn't not have a chance to see this before it went live many times, right? So what I, what I, 
got from uh, one of the higher order sections in, in section five was this feeling of like, what is not DevOps? And those things are burnout. DevOps is not burnout. Now you've probably been burned out if you work in DevOps before. So where is this coming from? Why is this the case? It's not burnout. It's not no help. You don't get any help. Go do this thing. You know, it's not heroics. It's not superheroes and capes, right? Single points of failure, as I call them. It's not clicks, which by clicks, I mean power silos. Uh-uh. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing as the DevOps department, people. Um, there's no rogue decisions. There's traceability in decisions. There's accountability in decisions. Um, leadership thrash. Not easy to, if you're really adopting this DevOps mindset and, and way of thinking about how to do things better, leadership thrash doesn't really fit in. Uh, toil and debt, right? One of my biggest things is like, you know, I seek to eradicate toil, which is not easy. <laughs> Just reducing it a little is nice, but, but it's, and it's probably pragmatic to say so, but really eradicating toil from other people's plates and from your own that's a that's that's a that's a challenge right that's a that's kind of a life goal and if we do this stuff together right if if we say these are not the things we want the question is how do we move towards something that isn't those things right and that and that is closer to where we all align and agree like this is a better way of delivering software and doing it faster right so anyway that's i'll pause there you know, one of the things I'd, I'd love to hear from, you know, both Sarah and Paul is there's always sort of that so what answer question, right? If we did this, what 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 is the result? What's the impact of it? And I mean that in a positive way. I'm not being critical. If if this standard was widely adopted, how would it improve? How would it, what things are we wanting to improve and change from where we are today? Can you describe that in, in any way to kind of give myself and others maybe an idea about that? I just did. Well, at the people base, there's the vocabulary. Yeah. Sorry. At people the are... base, is part of it. Sorry. Paul and I Sorry, always yes, get Paul hit spoke. You go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, vocabulary is that first piece, making sure we're all talking about the same framework. And, and so that when we're exchanging ideas, how did you do it? How did you do it? You know, it, it, not any one way to do it is going to fit, but knowing how what your options are and talking about it with others and trying something out and figuring out if it works or not in your environment is is one way to to get everybody on the same playing field but if you're not talking about the same thing you can't do that um, so it's having the ability for a large corpus of options to apply to your situation to me that's one of the biggest things that it provides and, and it also gives you ways of interacting with the rest of the business that is not IT and kind of, oh, this isn't, it's not just IT, you're a stakeholder, you're a customer. And it, and it includes all of those pieces for the collaboration and really helps support it. Um, so to me, that's, that's what the standard brings. Uh, it, it, it widens the organization's perspective a lot and and allows that that cooperation to seek seep into the organization 
across all of these different pieces because that's what to me that's how it started as DevOps, DevOps SecOps, DevOps observability ops. I mean, it grows because that's part of its DNA is to include. Yeah. And so it's very natural that it has done that. And it includes other parts of the organization into that basic thought processes. I totally could see dev ops, marketing, security. I mean, you see all that. It's that's what's to me the 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 real advantage of of thinking this way is that it includes the entire org. Well, and and first of all, utmost respect to Paul, Sarah, and the other 25 people that are working on this, because this is a gargantuan task, right? Trying to encapsulate, you know, something that creates a common framework that, uh, you know, has the purest intention. And also, you know, if you think about the heart of why DevOps emerged in the first place, it emerged because we were not collaborating together. Right. So, you know, in the early days of IT, I always say I've been in IT longer than I really want to admit to. You know, there were 25 people that sat in the same floor in the same office building and we all knew each other and we went to happy hour. And then, you know, the, the, the tree grew and there were lots of branches and other things. So, you know, giving a central um, a, a central source of truth that everybody can can kind of internalize process. Uh, speak the same language. You know, IT, we have so many different languages. We're like countries that are, are you know, butt up right next to each other. So, I, and, and I said, I have so much respect because this is, you know, a gargantuan task. And and Sarah, I agree with what you said. It, it The purpose is really to take this need for collaboration and optimizing automation, right? So making, you know, automation essentially members of your team, right? And then taking that out into the business because every business is a technology organization. Um, it's, it, you know, it's, a, I'm sure you're aware of the risks. You know, we're not telling you anything that, that you're not aware of. But I said, I, I just have so much respect because it's, it's not going to be an easy road. Right. There are so many different opinions from vendors and from, you know, from everyone who's involved in the space that, you know, that are going to, you know, to have an opinion um, or or whatever. And and I think, you know, that's something that everybody's going to have to deal with. Uh, again, the only thing I would suggest is is build it in a way that it's nimble. Uh, dare I use the word agile? So, so this is already done, right? Yeah. Like this is not a draft. This is not an initiative. This has already been done for the past four years and is now an official standard. So the good news is um, to, to your point, I think about, you know, suggestions about how to do this. We, we are uh, working on the second version of this draft already. As soon as it was out, even before it was out, we knew there were things that we just couldn't, we couldn't spend the time properly addressing. Like I said before, like there was a lot of refactoring, but there's a lot of careful avoidance of not already repeating what was already in a good security standard over here or in a good risk management thing or you know one of the one of the folks that work with us Tafleen Ramos uh, works at the uh, the ISO right and uh, what is it uh, 29119 right uh, verification and validation um, the prop processes um, that that was already stuff that was that, that's already been and, and great thinking and not slow, you know, can fully, fully be put into a modern, you know, unicorns, sneeze, rainbows and fart sprinkles type <laughs> approach, as well as the large Fortune 100. 
So it, just just to say, like this is this is already we've already put a ton of uh, it's already out there. And the easiest way, if, I mean, some people might be wondering, oh, yeah, but it's a standard. So now I got to pay for it. Some standards you do, some standards you don't. This one, IEEE, they, they cover their costs with the standards. The easiest way, if you wanted to get like a free copy, become part of the new, the next version of this, right? See what we've done, poke holes in it, have collaboration. Let's work on it together because that's the point of this is to bring a framework of how are we working together in a more effective manner. Uh, Jane, I'm really sorry I cut you off. Um, no, no, you didn't cut me off. Just a just a cautionary tale. One of the reasons ITIL um, kind of lost a lot of its momentum, and I'll be very frank, I owned an ITIL training company for 15 years, and you know I was a chief evangelist, but it took eight years between yeah. version three and version four, and so it wasn't built. You know, it was a monolith. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was, you know, in the meantime, lots of other things happened. And I think there's a cautionary tale. I don't, I'm not suggesting you're looking at eight years. Please don't misunderstand. But no, it's this probably market about three. Is so, yeah, right. This our, market's our, pretty yeah. fast. Our target Sorry. is about three between what we where we officially started and now it's out uh, to the next revision at most would be another three. Right. That's our target. Could be earlier or later than that. Um, think about, uh, we're all, we're all citizens of the United States here, right? Uh, or anybody in Canada? Is okay. that a HIPAA violation to answer? <laughs> yeah, right. Just kidding. Okay. Just kidding. I'm not showing you my vaccine card. Uh, I asked because. I didn't want to go there. But go we all know what the U.S. Constitution is and where it came from. Mm -hmm. Do we think that it was perfect and never has to be revised? Absolutely not. That, that's what the amendments are for. And arguably, if people want to go back to the original version, there are some serious problems with that original version. Same thing with ITIL. Same thing. Remember with the, I, 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 think, I think you might have heard about the, uh, the Agile Manifesto. You know, that was, that was a drunken party, a bunch of white people. I know. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, there were some good ideas that were encoded in there, but do they not have to be revised and worked out? Even Dave Thomas says Agile is dead. Long live agile. Like that was like, it's not what people have taken it to is not the point. So the goal of this is to really get a full perspective uh, to what Sarah was saying. It's not just, I've talked with a lot of the DevOps days, uh, various different people from DevOps days um, from a number of different, like the DevOps enterprise summit and stuff. And there are some people out there that are like, no, DevOps is just about developers and operations, and it's about these just these things. And it it's if you start getting biz in there, no, no, right? And it's like what a narrow perspective because you know what you had a good idea and then you screwed it up by not including other people by not realizing there is a there are meta learnings that come out of what you locally did, maybe arguably you did well that apply broadly, and when they do apply apply broadly, they bring us back to the same premise, which is we're all in this together, right? We all win when we all win, as, as Tim O'Reilly might say, provide more value than you consume, right? So I, that, that's where we, we intend on taking this. It's not uh, to turn into a bunch of agile consultants again, or ITIL consultants, right? Framework <laughs> nice. wars, that's what we call it. Yep. Guys, I, I, I got to pull the plug on you. I'm sorry, guys and ladies. Um, we are out of time. I think a great way to end this, though, is Sarah, Paul, where can people get more information on the standard from the IEEE? Sure. Uh, Google it. 
Google IEEE 2675. You'll get to that page if you want to buy a copy. I think I think without being a member, it's like 99 bucks. So look, you know, if you want to buy- It's breaking the bank. You probably yeah. also have in your organization already, somebody's a member, your risk, your uh, risk and compliance are probably already members to IEEE. Um, and again, like I said, the best way to get a free copy is to come work with us on what does the next standard mean? It's not a huge effort and commitment like Sarah and I have put in. It can, you can dip your toes in, see, see, see what makes sense, what works for you. And, and we love, we love to, we include people in that, in that effort. Great. Well, Paul, Sarah, Jane, thanks for joining us on our panel today. Mitchell, as usual, great job. This is another edition of DevOps Unbound in the books. Check it out. Go check out the IEEE standard. We'll be back in uh, two weeks with a fresh show and a fresh topic. Until then, this is Alan Schimmel. Be strong, be well, tech strong. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.